Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of By Its Cover Podcast, one marriage's journey through movie night using only the covers of movies we find on streaming services. Is this a bonus? Is this a bonus when Bree's really just doing it because she feels guilty about Dreamlight Valley? No, I don't feel guilty about Dreamlight Valley. I do feel guilty that we only did two by its cover episodes in the month of October. And might have that been because of a little bit of Dreamlight Valley? I think it was a little bit Dreamlight Valley and it had a lot to do with the fact that we really didn't like the second movie. And so we both put it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, you know what? We'll uh, we'll couch this one for a future episode of our Patreon exclusive Growing Fonder where we can really <laughs> dissect how much you spend in Dreamlight Valley. <laughs> I think we've already talked about that in episode 15. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, this is our Hey Gosh G Willikers. October should have had a little bit more content update. <laughs> <laughs> um, we... Uh, we kind of mentioned in Mayhem that even though in the episode Mayhem, uh, that even though we'd only done that was only our second episode of the month, we had been watching a lot of horror movies. And yeah. so. Believe, uh, believe it or not, audience, we actually do watch movies for fun, not just yeah. to see <laughs> just really dive in. Can you break a person's mind with just movie covers? <laughs> uh, so that's what this is going to be. We're going to talk to you about uh, some, but not all of the movies that we watched, consumed in uh, in October. Um, this will be from Amazon uh, Prime. And mostly from the Shutter Channel uh, and uh, Hulu. Uh, yep. And um, I have actually downloaded all their covers, so you, we will do our cover thing, explain it for the listeners, and then uh, kind of just give maybe a rough overview and whether or not we'd actually recommend it. Um, does that sound good to you, Kevin? Sure does. Let's get started. All right. I am going to start with the movie uh, Deadstream. And I'm going to share my screen so those on YouTube can see it. Uh, So this movie was a Shudder original. And the um, tagline is he's dying for followers. And it's a very monster looking hand. Uh, and inside of it is grasped a GoPro. Uh, and it it looks very VHS-y style. Uh, it's got kind of that filmy, grainy feel to it. Is there anything else you'd say about it, babe? No, it's, uh, yeah, just clearly a, a taloned, clawed hand holding a GoPro. Um, it's very simple cover. I like it. I dig it. I dug it. Yeah, I mean, yes, it was a an excellent cover. Um, this movie was about a guy that leave, leave the cover up. Just oh. Leave the cover up for the audience. We don't need to take this down to see our faces. Oh, I like our faces. So okay, well, apparently I'm wrong. <laughs> Why do I even have production notes? All right. Um. So this is about a YouTube streamer, which. It, they had a different name for it, but essentially it was YouTube, but they can't say YouTube. You uh, very much got the feeling you like this 
picking 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 apart social media influencers yeah. and streamer culture. Yes. Uh and he goes to a supposed haunted house and is staying there overnight. Uh locks himself in cuz he is a scary cat like that's his shtick is that he's afraid of everything and that he um, is getting made to or he's doing this for his channel as a comeback because he hurt someone it, somebody got injured or killed on one of his his he was a pranker yes type person and yep yeah he was a pranker and somebody got hurt during one of his pranks and he got kicked off the platform uh, and so yeah, he's coming and back you, from it you find out he was racist too yeah uh, but that happens at the end. Um, uh, the the elements of this I liked uh, was it reminded me of the really the only thing I watch on YouTube, uh, which is uh, We Are Watcher, the Watcher channel, uh, owned by Shane Madey, Ryan Bergara, and Stephen Lim, uh, and they produce a ghost hunting series called Ghost Files, and that. Uh, just the idea of that going into a haunted house kind of thing uh, made me laugh and giggle because it reminded me of that. About halfway through the movie, Kevin's like, let's turn this off. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, I did not like it for the first 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, started to. I really did after they introduced a second character because mm -hmm. it just wasn't enough for, I think, one person for the joke that they were trying to get across or the people they were trying right. to make fun of. I don't think it was solid for one person to be able to carry it. They eventually got another character and then the movie starts getting fun. So the first 20 minutes, not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. uh, after that, it got really enjoyable and ended up being kind of a surprise the way it was shot. Um, it reminded me of a modern day Blair Witch, mm -hmm. but like a, a, trying to be a horror comedy style Blair Witch, which I did not know it was a movie style I would enjoy. Yeah. Um, and they had some pretty good special effects uh i i enjoyed to seeing the um the fact that he was self-producing this live stream uh and adding cameras so there was a technical portion of it that i enjoyed which sounds very nerdy um and uh they had some good costuming i definitely had several jump scares um and overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, there's some body horror. There's some gross out stuff mm -hmm. just all around. It's it's uh, going to be one of those ones that surprises you as far as the quality that it actually produces. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. Next one. Yeah. So we recommend that movie. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> OK, so next one is uh, the creep show holiday special. Uh, Shifters Anonymous. And this was a, a Shudder original, uh, which actually I think it aired on TV. Um, yep. And it stars Anna Camp, uh, who was in Pitch Perfect, and Adam Pally, who was uh, on The Mindy Project. And Actually, I would be surprised if this aired on TV. Okay. Yeah, because I, if I remember, there is some weird nudity stuff in it. Like, not yeah it's just i'm like oh yeah that's not gonna go on network tv okay 
Um, so yeah, creep show. You get the the creep show kind of horror guy that you've seen on the other creep show covers, mm-hmm. dating back to the first creep show in like the seventies. Except this one is. I kind of appreciate uh, the creep show not being a Halloween holiday special. Mm-hmm. They have uh, it's a Christmas one. There's a candle, pine cone, uh, Christmas ornaments. He's even holding a Christmas ornament between his thumb and his forefinger which is uh, an eyeball in blood in a Christmas bulb. And then mm-hmm. he's reading a creep show Christmas. I, I like that. It's got the very much the old comedy or not comedy. I'm sorry. The creep show comic book mm-hmm. style look to it. It's uh, painted. It's done to look like one of those old covers. Uh, I liked the cover for it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Am I missing anything? Um, nope. Yeah. I don't the think so. story itself is... Uh, Adam Pally goes to a anonymous, one of those Al-Anon or Narcanon style meetings, except it's for people that are shifters. They turn for their lycanthropes, or I can't remember what, is shifter so, the name? That they uh, use? Yeah, it's called Shifters Anonymous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a group of people that turn into animals or animal-human hybrids. Yeah, so there was a were-turtle, a were-boar. Were-tortoise. A were tortoise. Uh, she was a were cheetah, mm-hmm. and there was another. Uh, there was a were hippo, but she wasn't a, yeah, a she were. Just be a she, furry. <laughs> she identifies as a hippo and has a hippo costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was. I actually I enjoyed all the actors in this. Um, it, it wasn't a high production value movie, um, but. I, I got a real kick out of it. It's, it's them fighting against Santa Claus because it turns out Santa Claus and the original werewolf were, or the original werewolf is uh, supposed to be like God's avenging character that would fight evil. Uh-huh. And then Santa was his buddy, but then Santa couldn't handle losing to him. So he mm-hmm. made a deal with Satan. So that's where Santa comes from is, Satan gives him claws to kill shifters and that's how you get Santa Claus. Yeah. And there's some, I mean, there's some comedy in it. There was a moment that I really loved where they ask Adam Pally what they think his shifter shape is. And he's like, Oh, a werewolf. And they all kind of like laugh at him. Like everyone wants to be a werewolf. (laughs) Uh, And then it turns out he actually is a werewolf and they're like, Oh shit. (laughs) Oh my God. You're a werewolf. Like they were so excited because that's what all shifters think they are when they originally shift and then you got that guy that's a tortoise and he's at one point when they're getting ready to fight one of the characters is like what are you gonna do eat them if they're a salad like (laughs) yeah um but it had some really good comedy it had some great action uh would you recommend this babe yeah i checked i think it was only like an hour it wasn't it wasn't a full 90 minutes was it uh, I don't know the yeah, answer. To I that. think it was shorter, so it goes quick. Yeah. Um, one of the things we actually should have added to this was the Cabinet of Curiosities, the Guillermo del Toro series. But I thought about adding that, and we could talk about it at the end. But let's get through the movies first. Yeah. But I mean, if you are a fan of by its cover, you know I'm always going to be a sucker for an anthology, and this has very much anthology vibes. In fact, mm-hmm. I was very. Oh, it's only like 43 minutes. That's right. So it did feel like a very much a TV kind of thing it should have felt like it was there was more to it but i think this is the only one yes they had yeah so uh okay uh yes we would both recommend uh a creep show 
special holiday. A uh, creep show holiday special. Uh, Shifters Anonymous. Our next movie was called Scare Package. Uh, this is uh, has a cabinet uh, that's got cobwebs on it, and in the cabinet are a bunch of DV, not DVD, VHS packages. Uh, one says cold open, one says one time in the woods. Scare package is the one that's pulled out by uh, a floating hand uh, that's clearly like zombified. Uh, then you've got horror, hypnotherapy, Mr. Uh, Girls Night Out of the Body, 50. I can't read that one. Uh, oh, so much to do. The night the he came back again, part four, the final kill. Um, it's very um, like cartoony feeling, but in a painted way. Uh, it says seven directors, seven tales of terror, zero working cell phones. Uh, and then it's got a bunch of stuff listed at the bottom. Did I miss anything, Kevin? No. Uh, again, very much a throwback to like the creep show esque anthology mm-hmm. covers. Uh, so this movie, I remember watching it. I do not remember anything really about it, except that I really enjoyed it. It okay. had a, a meta framing narrative of a guy hiring a new person to work in a horror vi- or a video store and kind of cu- quizzing him about horror movies and meanwhile there's a nerdy antisocial person mm-hmm. that is furious that there was a new hire that wasn't him yes so that's the framing narrative but uh there's also uh a guy that gets interwoven in a lot of the stories the second framing narrative and well, there's two framing, there's two framing narratives. narratives the original one is a guy that is up. mad at his role in horror movies mm-hmm. because My- his role is always the guy that like sets up the events that causes people to get killed and he's like I don't ever get to do anything besides like be the person that accidentally turns off the alarm or you know does this Mm -hmm. and the person he's working with is a woman that she's like she's always the cop you know or the the badass female character that dies you know and she's like Mm -hmm. yeah it's just the job that we have yeah just play your role. Um, so there's a, there's seven, obviously seven different tales. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. It was it it wasn't high production quality, but it was fun, and um, I liked you, it. You can you can sometimes offset production value with like just a fun story that people really enjoy. I I, I thought very much of this uh, similar to hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Which yes. doesn't have a huge budget for a lot of this stuff, but they have so much f- like fun and it's it's amusing that it ends up working really well. What was I think interesting to me about this is it, it sets it makes you think this anthology is going to be very clearly de- delineated with seven mm-hmm. stories, and it's not. There's seven <laughs> vignettes, but they the flow. characters from the framing narrative are actually the vignette, um, mm-hmm. and there's kind of this overarching story about the owner of the the video rental place getting caught by the government and thinking he then has to like survive while the government's researching slashers 
Yeah. And he thinks he's going to somehow survive it. I love the moment where he's like, I got to do this. And then he immediately gets killed or the, the jock guy that thinks that he somehow can like fight this person. And they're like, Nope, that's because in this, this, the way this genre works, you can't because that's the way the genre has to work. They had um, that one big Bob James or Bob Bill, the night, yeah, you should have looked up his name before you tried to guess it. But yeah, it's a fairly famous uh, horror late movie, night. late night person in the style of Elvira. He's an actual person. He does a, a stream. Uh, it's a drive-in theater kind of framed one. The guys from last last podcast on the left have been on it a couple times. Yeah, so uh, so he was on it. Um, but it was it's very much a love letter to horror movies in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And it, each one is its own kind of genre. Of the horror movie franchise, because they have like the sci-fi one, they have slasher, they mm-hmm. have monsters, supernatural. It's, it's I really liked it. But again, I can't sit there and I'm like, I don't really remember it. Um, did we just watch it that early in October or uh, did, was I not taking my ADHD meds? I think it was I think it was more of like a popcorn movie. Um, so I, I yeah. recommend it. It's one I'd watch again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So check, check it out. Okay, next up we have uh, from Hulu, uh, the new Firestarter. Oh, yeah, and it's very much Firestarter. It's using the same font that the Drew Barrymore movie had. I like how the cover says in theaters or in cinema soon. So it's a Bloomhouse one, which actually kind of surprises me. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, because I usually had associated Bloomhouse with a little bit more um, daring changes. I think about like Fantasy Island where I'm like, oh, they really messed with the Fantasy Island format. Right. Like I, I, I always associate Bloomhouse with it'll be entertaining, but they'll take sometimes big swings that miss. This one is just an update of the Drew Barrymore movie. Um, and as an update goes, I don't know. I didn't think it did anything great. The special effects aren't better necessarily. The pl- I'm I also, sure that the special effects are better than when the original one came out. <laughs> I, no, well, who knows? Because they were doing CGI fire in this a couple times when she was like mm-hmm. screaming, and you could very much see it was After Effects kind of fire. Um, so you know, I was like, at least the Drew Barrymore, then they probably at least burned three people to death. <laughs> Um, in the making of but uh i don't remember i don't really recall the drew barrymore one i don't know if i ever i don't actually know if i've even seen it but it's very much like girl with strange supernatural telekinetic powers actually now that i realize it's basically a ripoff of uh scanners i have never seen scanners oh wow okay so scanners is good but like it's it's different. It's a Cronenberg movie, if I oh, remember no. correctly. It, but it's got some moments that I really enjoyed it. This is kind of like that dad's trying to hide his daughter uh, that is in this. The only there's not a lot of interest to it. To me, it also ends in a weird spot. It kind of like if you would have told me Firestarter was created to be that they used to do it a lot in the 90s, that like movie that made for TV movie that's actually used to pilot a TV show. Mm-hmm. I'd have been like, yes, that's what this is made for. This is exactly what it feels like because it ends with her walking away with the guy or being carried away by the guy that kills her mom. But he's like had a change of heart mm-hmm. and is trying to repent. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Dark Angel. Dark Angel. I thought I actually got the Pretender vibes. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a psychokinetic version of the pretender. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I thought the little girl did well. Uh, I, yeah. he, the dad was played by Zach Efron. So if you've got a Zach Efron kink. Which it also felt like they didn't update the dialogue from the original script because there's some parts where I'm like, ooh, this feels really out of date. This well, feels kind of like tone, tonally wrong for the movie that we're given. It's it's really interesting because uh, they actually uh, right away write as in W R I T E uh, right away cell phones uh, in the fact that they the family Zach uh, the mom and the daughter don't have uh, internet they don't have cell phones because they don't want to be tracked by this agency that uh activated their powers and uh that know that they have the little yeah. girl it, uh, which it, yeah you'd have to do to update um and they kind of make it sound like she's amish <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So old. but uh i also because it, it just has some like the, some of that clunky and i don't know if it's stephen king's dialogue because i'm like there's got to be other screenplay right or screenwriters it's i think anytime you have somebody that is adapting and trying to adapt closely mm-hmm. uh the work of an, another author they don't land the voice part of their care of the characters because there, there's a little boy that bullies the girl yeah and he sucks at it i'm like because i'm like dude i would roast the shit out of you as a teacher and if you he, came to came to bully a girl with that weak stuff, because he's like, oh, I hear the Amish don't bathe more than once a week. And you're like, really? That's you. You, you say <laughs> she smells like shit right now, Jeffrey, because if you just try to bring it up to the Amish, like, dude, one also, man, that's some bigoted fucking thinking kid. Like, <laughs> I was like you don't even know how to bully right in 2020. Um, also, he was a ginger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you get let he who has a uh, melanin throw the first stone there, bud. Like, <laughs> yeah, freckled fuck. Um, so, would you recommend the, watching no. this movie? No, I would. I would watch, rather watch the the one with Drew Barrymore, even though I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's a better movie. I'd rather watch that one just because, for some reason, being like, hey, this is an '80s one. Some of the cheese and some of the bad special effects are more charming in a way mm-hmm. they're quaint because you're like it's a throwback it's a nostalgia yeah. thing so i'd rather watch that plus i also imagine drew barrymore uh, as a little actor child actor could act circles around most of the people <laughs> uh i would say no unless you have to add every zach efron film to your list <laughs> oh god how those zach efron acts have been like hey man we started this in high school musical one and we thought it was gonna just stay that and it's taken turns Actually, the last couple of years he was on summerland before he was in uh high school musical well yeah you don't you, you would never <laughs> start your like i have to watch every movie in this man's oeuvre uh, when he's only done one movie, you got to wait till like two or three. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just weird if you were like, uh, I'm going to do that. Oh, that sounded phrasing. I'm going to make it so I watch every movie with that girl that was in Matilda. And you're like, okay, you get three movies. That's it, right? You should have <laughs> waited. You should have waited. You can't knock out a person's entire film collection in like not even a full afternoon. All right. <laughs> Okay, so next movie is the new Hellraiser from Hulu. 
Okay. Uh, I'll take a swing at this one. It's black and red. Uh, we don't see Hellraiser's face because why the fuck? Or not Hellraiser. I'm sorry. Pinhead's face. Why are we keeping that a secret? <laughs> we rebooted the character, like a beloved horror movie iconic character. Why are you keeping it in shadows as if we don't know? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when they sold this on the like Hellraiser is n- or Pinhead is now a woman. And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Does it change that they're a demon? <laughs> no okay why why like in, yeah, anyways uh and then the lament configuration is behind them uh so if you're not aware of that it's a rubik's evil rubik's cube um that has just etchings and stuff i actually was surprised they changed the lament configuration in this movie that was probably more so than gender swapping pinhead which i was like okay it doesn't change anything well um, and they don't actually ever address Pinhead's gender in it. No, I did see some people that were like, it's Pinhead's trans. And I was like, okay, I mean, maybe oh, cool. They yeah. Don't. Like, yeah, yeah, again, like, okay. But it, if it doesn't change anything in the story, then it's set. It's the, the whole like Dumbledore's gay thing. I'm like, well, does that change the context of anything that happened? Well, and it no? was, oh, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, it was very, genderless honestly yeah uh, because it doesn't matter they're a demon (laughs) it would also be i mean be like telling me that like well pinhead's gay and you're like he's a demon um i didn't really think of them as sexual entities i guess you know i'm like i don't really know like i always assumed as you you've come from hell i assume all bathrooms in hell are gender neutral (laughs) like you know, because so, uh, hell doesn't want to deal with an HR department. <laughs> They're like, never, all the evil ones come here. I don't want to fucking talk to Karens. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Lament configuration actually is now a box that has the uh, before it used to be a box that if you unlocked it, uh, the Cenobites, these demonic entities would find you. Some called them angels. I'm like, nobody calls you an angel, okay? You have giant chains that rip people apart. Nobody got you confused <laughs> as an angel. But uh, now it's actually like driven by blood and mm-hmm. uh, different configurations do different things, which, okay, cool. It's a neat update to a story. Um, but then it also to me it kind of removed some of the charm of the old Clive Barker stories where it was just about these people seeking out like further it became basically these hedonistic people that had experienced everything and had become so jaded in their pursuit of pleasure um, that it became they'd go to this extreme and it was the extremes of trying to have your desires met and the, the you know it'd be really called into question this what would you go to to have this thing Mm -hmm. um now having it be like you could accidentally summon a (laughs) demon to rip you apart or uh like they do in this one where she has to keep killing people to feed the configurations Mm -hmm. to get her brother back i'm like i don't know it just it makes it makes the cenobites a weapon instead of a consequence or uh because that's what I always loved about them is like they're actually kind of in as far as horror movie characters go amoral in a way not in a way amoral like Jason who would just kill indiscriminately mm-hmm. but they were kind of like um, they had a, 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 a code in a way you know mm-hmm. like 
And so I just, I didn't, I just didn't care. I did not care about this. <laughs> so I have never seen the original Hellraiser. Uh, it's long and tedious. Um, I, I mean, it's Clive Barker. I, yeah. I love Clive Barker uh, in a very <laughs> abstract way. Um, I've read several of his books. Uh, it was, I, I enjoyed it. I, uh, in, I was impressed with the sets. Uh, I enjoyed the makeup artistry that they did for the Cenobites. Uh, they did not gross me out as much as the next movie we'll talk about. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, there was something very clean about them that I mm -hmm. didn't like as compared to that didn't didn't strike the the group or the grotesquerie mm -hmm. where I felt I, I didn't feel like it, or I feel like in the original Hellraisers or at least the first two or the ones that I'm most familiar with. I feel like I can't look away. Yeah, there they, was they, they, they seem more physically present than in this one where they kind of almost seemed clean they just felt too clean in a way and it's not like it's a, the other hair is dirty it's just like waxy yes there we go it, yeah it's a filter it's uh maybe it's since they were probably cg elements they just didn't feel alive it didn't feel uh to quote pinhead like of the flesh uh, <laughs> but yeah it, but all like and there were some moments I, I liked. So they they one of the characters has a box jammed in him because he arranges the lament configuration in pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so they uh they jam this box in him that is connected to all his nerve endings and constantly adjust his nerves so he can never he's always feeling and he can't ever make it not feel. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I like that. I do kind of appreciate the the, the they're not um they're not ironic. Well, they are kind of ironic torturers, but they're not. It's not like in normal stories where they're like, oh, we're very literal. You want to you want to feel something new? We'll make you always feel something new. It's not like a metaphor punishment. You know, it's not like they're like, we'll just put grapes up a, out of grasp and then water that drops every time you go to get a drink. They're like, we're going to jam a fucking box in you that makes all your nerves go. Oh, wobbly, wobbly. <laughs> OK, you like that? <laughs> So it reminds me of having a gin and uh, not gin and tonic, but gin as in genie <laughs> and having to be very specific in the wish <clears throat> that you want. Uh, it reminds me of that. Well, and, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of cosmic horror. Um, Hellraiser is the most cosmic horror of like the supernatural demon kind of ones mm -hmm. because what I always appreciated about them is like their their motivation was like hey no we're giving you what you want you just don't understand <laughs> like our interpretation of what you want is so abstract that you don't get it um, but you know Rick and Morty uh, I know you're not a fan but yeah. Rick and Morty makes a great one about this where they're like they go to the pinhead dimension or the pinhead like universe and all the characters are like this causes me pain which means it causes me pleasure oh i don't like this this is beautiful music which means it hurts my ears and like everything's opposite and they're like yeah it's fucking stupid you're fucking stupid your whole <laughs> logic is dumb stop <laughs> uh which i'm like yeah it kind of nails so i also feel like this is a genre that's kind of like move like a to bring it up now almost feels like this weird throwback 
also uh very much inspired like by bdsm that's what i was gonna and say so as bdsm has become more normalized yeah like pre 50 shades of gray universe Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh yeah, this is titillating. Like, oh, this and it is dangerous and shocking. Now we're like, dude, my mom probably like, oh, actually, I'm not nope. gonna finish. I'm not gonna nope. finish that joke because she's a Patreon subscriber. But I was like, dude, my mom read the Fifty Shades of Grey books. Like, hey, you ain't gonna fucking shock this audience anymore. <laughs> All right, like they just like when soccer moms read this in bubble baths like 50 shades of gray and we're like ooh spanking in the red room you're like fucking you're not going to scare me with demon priests that are like pleasure is pain <laughs> speaking of pleasure is pain let's talk about our next movie uh the sequel to the original Hellraiser. Hell yeah. Oh, I think we both were we split on the Hellraiser reboot. I yes. I don't recommend it. You say yeah. Yeah, you say no, I say yes. But we... I say stop, you say... Go. Yeah. Uh, I thought we were doing a Beatles song. I thought you were being very clever with the reference. (laughs) I was not. Uh, (laughs) We watched uh, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2 from 1988. Yeah. Uh, The cover has Pinhead on it, the original Pinhead, Mm -hmm. uh, in several uh, descending archways back behind him there is a girl sitting uh cross-legged at the bottom and she has what did you call it a lament the lament configuration yeah a lament configuration box in her lap and it looks like there's um light shooting out of it and that is what culminates in pinhead's head and the archways and it's got quotes on it called and it says move over freddy pinhead is the new horror hero i have seen the future of horror his name is clive barker and that was by stephen king uh and the uh uh, tagline is time to play yeah uh so i loved this but you nailed the cover um one I, though i gotta be honest clive barker we gotta talk clive barker to me always is like a guy that did too much cocaine <laughs> and he's giving you the ideas and he's he is such a salesman on the ideas and then I feel like he wakes up the next day after like these pitch meetings and he's just, you know, coming down off it. He looks like he just just smashed powdered donuts in his face. Just that <laughs> amount of cocaine. Like he he looks like he's doing a uh, white face. Like you're just, what? That's not a problematic thing to say, but he's just like it looks like he's doing, you know, he's just like that amount of just he looks like he's like uh, I did a, a caricature of a mime. The amount of white that's on his face. And then he's just like looks at his notes and it's like Hellraiser or Hell uh Hellraiser 2 approved. And he's like, Oh god damn it, Clive, old friend. We did it again. Except he's British. So he'd be like, Oh, Clive, old chap. What did you get yourself into this time? And then he's like, Oh, what did I pit? And he's just got some vague notes. And he's like, just has to then be like, ah shit. So, it was a dark and stormy night, and he just has to like type his way <laughs> through his own bullshit. Amazing pitch man. None of his movies make sense. Let's just say that. Um, he's also a novelist. <laughs> yeah, he is, and all of his movies or all of his movies have been based on like uh, either short stories or novels. Again, big ideas. I associate Clive Barker with these big, huge ideas, almost uh, world-ending or universe-ending in their complexity. Uh-huh. And then it just like, it, again, c- 
coke fiend energy into these ideas and then how he fleshes them out every time he's like shit <laughs> he just like like he just he do, does the pitch meeting high as shit on coke then looks over and he's like i have none of it left oh no so just in case on the odd chance that clive barker listens to this we don't know if you did coke or not we're not saying you actually did <laughs> i can guess it was the 70s all right um so i i had not seen either the new hellraiser or the original hellraiser prior to this mm-hmm. all i knew was about pinhead and the the chains just from the cultural zeitgeist mm-hmm. surprisingly it's an it's like a nine movie long franchise i mean it's pretty long like there's a lot of them i think probably only the first two are really like you should are worth watching would would you agree this is pretty slow it was pretty slow uh i did find it interesting they did uh a lot of impressive practical special effects Mm -hmm. um they were gross i had some jump scares uh i enjoyed the acting in it it's set directly after the first one ends Mm -hmm. um so Kevin had to give me the backstory and stuff and really once you get the backstory of the first one you're like oh this that was enough for a a 90 minute movie and you're like oh not a 90 minute movie like two and a half hours yeah (laughs) Um, it was it was pretty long like there's a montage that's supposed to recap everything that happened and you're like this isn't a montage at this point this is a a mini documentary about the first one (laughs) but also it explains none of the context it just it's like direct scenes (laughs) cut together and they're like that'll get you caught up on hellraiser and you're just like I'm like, I've watched this. I've watched this multiple times. I don't know why you put these things in here. You do some of them out of order for some reason. And like you cut back to them for some reason. Because like they'll have her like meet Pinhead and then they'll be like, but then this happened. And you're like, no, that happened like an hour before. What are you doing? (laughs) Again, I think it's just like he's like, look, cheerio old bean. Does it give me more cocaine if I just put this in? Uh, he's like, he, like he was just trying to buy time. He's like, oh, this movie has to have a certain runtime. I, I just, oh, I know. I'll just use all the scenes from the first one. <laughs> all right, now we're on page twenty. All right. Oh, the cocaine has not arrived yet. Oh, Clive, what have we done? <laughs> um, I think the the part that grossed me out the most was the bloody mattress. It goes uh, on for so long. It was, it was a lot. And it came back a couple times. Um, and it's silent. Like, like the first time when she's climbing out and like trying to kill the guy mm-hmm. uh, to get more flesh, which they never say is what she's trying to do. It just looks like she's like weirdly reverse hugging the guy. Like mm-hmm. she's like trying to kill him via koala bear hug. Yeah. On this blood soaked mattress. Um, it was a lot for me. <laughs> like her climbing out of that thing. I timed it was three minutes long. And I'm like, yeah. Is, is anybody confused? Clive, are you getting paid by the fucking minute here? Is that what's happening? You know how like Dickens novels are excessively long because Dickens was paid like a, a penny a word. Oh. And so he's just like, well, nobody's checking to see if all of these are necessary. <laughs> That's what Clive does. I swear to God, he's like, look, uh, I get a kickback for every ro- roll of Kodak film they use making this. <laughs> so old Clive's going to make this worth his time. So, um, yeah. Kevin, 
would you recommend watching Hellbound? Oh, hell yeah. So <laughs> this one like has so many weird parts to it. Uh, I will say, um, Hellraiser movies, which I really love. Um, it was kind of funny. First one has these the Cenobites led by Pinhead. And none of them are... Like, there's no explanation for why these characters look like one. There's just one that's a fat guy with, like, hook hands. Mm -hmm. And one guy that's got... He he just chatters his mouth the whole time. And then Pinhead's got pins in his head. Get it? Yeah, I got it. And then there's a... a, She's called... I think she's, like, the the priestess or something. And she's got, uh, basically, her throat cut open. Mm -hmm. So you can see her voice box. Stuff like that. This movie actually starts to do some of what the later ones really leaned into which like their appearances is ironic because i know in the third one the third one has a moment so at the end of this movie there's this pillar that rises up with all the faces mm-hmm. uh from the mattress of all the care like all the dead cenobites there's a moment in the third movie where like pinhead escapes or his evil personality escapes he gets basically split in half his good personality who we meet in this movie in his evil pinhead personality escape, but they like make Cenobites and they all are I- ironic Cenobites. Okay. Like the the thing that they were, they did in life is now the thing they do in death. So there's literally one that kills people by shooting razor sharp CDs at them. Cause he's a DJ. <laughs> so instead of just being like, Hey, these are these horrible monstrous things. Sometimes there's no explanation for this. This one kind of does that with uh, there's a doctor that finally becomes a Cenobite. Like again, and this is the thing I love about the, the franchise is this idea of like, this is what you wanted. You don't understand what that means though, when taken to its extremes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this guy wants to be this like pursue knowledge, pursue pleasure. Like basically he just wants to be this doctor that, is the best so he gets turned into the cenobite version of the doctor now i'm going to say the worst special effect i've ever seen yeah for doing it i i would love to see some of these characters updated with modern technology so what they did is they he's a doctor and in one of the scenes he's got this surgical to tool that basically is a a tube or a nozzle Mm -hmm. and so in the movie to reflect that he has not only can he extend like little tentacles from his fingers that can do scalpels, which those mm-hmm. are kind of scary. Um, but he's got the nozzle attached to the back of his head, but it just like carries him around in he's this really floating. stiff, very obvious that it's a doll or an action figure, yeah, kind of thing. And you're like, this doesn't look intimidating. I'm like, yeah. Also, what is that anchored to? What it's the <laughs> like you know how you when you watch Spider-Man cartoons and he's just like shooting webs and you're like. What building is that? What building are you, are you just shooting it into the sky and it's anchoring to the air? That's what had to happen. I was like, dude, you're you're hunting these people in a maze. You're gonna you're gonna run out of hose. <laughs> or I, I would fuck with him just like you could get him kinked up by just running in circles and he's just like, oh no, I'm tangled. <laughs> you know, like I'm like, dude, I can't fuck up my shoelaces. You're gonna get my head nozzle. Also, so, Pinhead tries to have a, like a heroic moment where he like tries to save Christine, mm-hmm. and beat in like two seconds. Yeah, it, just, it was the most humiliating. Like all of his characters are like, "Yeah, we're gonna stand against this new guy," and then he's like, "Go, Christine," and then the the new guy's like, "Scalpel hands." I win. 
Yeah, I cut, I cut your chains with my scalpel hands, which I know. Is this a rock, paper, scissors thing that they're updating? <laughs> like, like scalpel hands beats chains. And you're like, what beats scalpel hands? Fuck it. Nozzle heads. Um, <laughs> and also, he kept making these doctor puns. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shut up. Shut, like, at a certain point, you can't look goofy and drop bad puns and have me be afraid of you. Like the minute he was like, we need to, the, the surgeon is in. I'd be like, shut up, you nozzle headed bitch. And he'd be like, that's not very nice. <laughs> Words I, hurt. Also, was he a psychiatrist and a surgeon? What did this guy do with his life? And an occult researcher. Yes. Pick a lane, bro. You can't be the best psychiatrist, the best surgeon, and the best occult researcher when you're that spread out all over the place. <laughs> you need to focus your energies, yeah. sir. <laughs> Anyways, um, I ranted. I ranted. I, you I, had, did. I have feelings about a movie that I, I love. <laughs> uh, like I said, I had no backstory going into this other than the cultural zeitgeist. I did enjoy it. I, I also like the fact that we got to go into the Cenobites world and kind of see what they dealt with while they were in that alternate universe. Um, that was kind of interesting. The, it very much was like the the look of what was behind and head on the cover. Mm-hmm. They worship a, a god that's kind of a Leviathan. Yes. Um, and he's supposed to be the god of flesh and desire and pleasure. I did kind of laugh, though, because it's a maze. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nothing desirable has ever happened in a maze. There's never been a point where I'm like, oh, god damn, I hope this got a maze. Oh, <laughs> I've never been at a restaurant and they've given me one of those little kids plate mat- placemats. I'm like, oh, shit, they trying to fuck. Like, that's a maze. <laughs> oh, shit, I got a pack of crayons. Oh, fuck. That's this, probably... This t- this Texas Roadhouse is gonna get it. All right, That's too much, Kevin. No, I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, like. You, also, you're the god of flesh and desire. You ain't got no orgy room. You just got <laughs> a series of left and right turns that confuse me. You ain't got no eyes wide shut room. Hmm, fuck you. Uh, well, we don't know that, it, but <laughs> they. It was very MC Escher in its design. I mean, it was meant to be confusing. I think it was just Clive, who I always get confused with, Cussler, who's like the action yeah. <laughs> version of this guy. <laughs> but like Clive Barker was just like, uh, they were in a maze and they just had to wander it. And uh, still wandering in the maze, still wandering in the maze, wandering, <laughs> wandering. All right, we're at page 100. Movie done. <laughs> so I would recommend this. Kevin would recommend yeah. it. Don't uh, watch any other Hellraisers after this. Like, watch one and two. They're slow. Do something, make a sandwich during them, but they're just, they're <laughs> fun experiences. Okay, so the next movie that we're going to, uh, we. Uh, watched right at the start of October. Hell yeah. Uh, so this is glorious. Uh, it features a man holding a a leg in mm-hmm. khakis. Uh, he is not wearing pants, so he's in boxers and a very blood-stained button-up shirt. Uh, he's in what looks like a, a, a bathroom or a room with the tiles, lights shining on him, but there's tentacles emerging from the bathroom stalls around him. Um, it stars Ryan Quantin, Quantin, I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it, and J.K. Simmons, who you, if you don't know J.K. Simmons, uh, he is fantastic. 
the the colors in this are purple and pinks vary the color out of space which cosmic horror i'm on board (laughs) and the tagline for this movie is the universe has a favor to ask Yes, and it's a it was a Shutter original. No, the Shutter original. We kind of can you tell we paid the five ninety nine a month. <laughs> uh, me, we should cancel that now that Halloween's over. <laughs> That's on you to do. Um, so I just want to let you know that I went into watching this. First of all, you put it on. You didn't ask me, and um, don't make it sound like I non consent movied you. I, it was one of those literal put on something I don't give a shit moments. We kind of mentioned it in one of the episodes of Bites Cover that we released in October, but Cav- I figured Kevin liked it enough that he could talk a little bit more about it. Um, I like Ryan Quentin. Uh, Quentin, uh, he was in True Blood and several other things since then, uh, but I did not like this movie. <laughs> It was very, it was very color out of space, which I did not care for. It's not. Uh, you didn't watch color out of space. Then if you think this was very color out of space, it, it was really a mindy, like mind Cthulhu. It wasn't even Cos- that uh, cosmic horror. I did yeah, it's not. Cosmic I, horror. It, it was all set in a gas, not a gas station, a rest stop bathroom mm-hmm. and it was gross it was no it gross. wasn't oh, it was so I gross the whole time disagree. you I just was, hate pay, places where people poop i i it was very uncomfortable for me so yeah. i did i did not enjoy it this is my first experience well actually second slither is my first like comedy horror cosmic horror film like and it, so this is a cosmic horror comedy uh ryan quentin just call him Ryan. Rai Rai. Don't call him that. Rai Kai. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my Rai guy here. Uh, all right, there we go. Found it for a third like time's a charm. My Rai guy here is uh, pulls off to this gas station, or not this gas station, I'm sorry, this uh, roadside rest stop. rest stop, and he is getting over a breakup. Uh, he's got mementos of hers. He and He's you know crying and he at one point just burnt starts burning all of her stuff then he wakes up goes the next day is drunk goes to the room the bathroom to like work over his hangover and he sees this glory hole that's got this weird alien woman around it like this crazy looks like it belongs painted on the side of a van Mm -hmm. like the bitchinest van ever uh, person and uh, all of a sudden J.K. Simmons starts talking to him and asking him questions and being very polite but very also kind of like somewhat cryptic reminding him not to look in the not to look at him through the glory hole and you as the story progresses you find out that the character played by J.K. Simmons has a very tough to pronounce name um, he is this alien creature created by for lack of a better term God yeah to destroy all life mm-hmm. but in the time that he's been alive he's learned to love people mm-hmm. and be fascinated with them so he is asking Rai guy to do something to save people and he's like look i would really love to say that you're gonna live through this there's a chance but you also might not um you've got to you know decide whether your life is worth the needs of the many, but also be aware if you don't do this, everything will die. Mm 
mm-hmm. all of creation will die. Um, and it, it like, I loved it. Um, I'm just going to unapologetically loved it. JK Simmons for just being a disembodied voice in a toilet mm-hmm. crushes it. Um, I, I do have to say, I loved the twist. It's got a good, it's got a good twist. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Nope. Um, but the, yeah, and I didn't, I mean, it is well foreshadowed. It's one of those ones like after the fact, you're like, oh, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That all fits. Um, It's just depends how charming. And I think, again, the charming novelty of basically this is in movies and TV. They have what are in TV. They have what's called like a bottle episode, Mm -hmm. which is it just happens in its own self-contained kind of space. It doesn't really affect anything else. This is like a bottle version of a movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, literally, it just it just is uh, one kind of really one set. Yeah, two care two characters, three characters at the most. Yeah, uh, at any one time, and I, I I somehow was compelled. Like I thought it was interesting. I laughed. Um, there's some good moments in it. It very much is a cosmic horror story. Mm-hmm. Um, it also had elements of uh, one of my favorite kind of stories, which is uh, deciding whether or not humanity is worth it. Yeah, um, which I always think is to me is always just such a cool premise because I, I think it it really is this question because you know how fair is it that humans always decide they're worth saving when it's us deciding we're worth it? Like, right. do the do do the attributes of humanity actually mean anything? Uh, I think that's what kind of uh, cosmic horror does really well is like, well, in the grand scheme, how much does this actually matter? And the yeah. character uh, J.K. Simmons' character is like. They do just the simple fact they exist matters. He's very much optimistic in that regards. Um, but the movie still has this pervading sense of doom about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there is some gross out body horror stuff, or not even really body horror, but just some gross out stuff in it that yeah. you didn't like. And it was, I think most of it just revolved around the setting of in a bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, it was. So now that you've talked about it a little bit more, uh, if you do not get grossed out, buy that kind of stuff Which, uh, then I would I would recommend this movie simply for the twist at the end because I find it very good it's so weird there's nothing in it that's like like well one they show the bathroom itself is kind of gross like the toilet well, that he uses but- Simmons guy at the beginning uh, Ryan Rye guy touches his eye after touching the toilet and then he talks oh, yeah. about how there's 127 germs and seven viruses and six bacteria. Yeah, he's like, I probably I, just got germs in my eye. And he's like, Oh, it's mostly germs. And then also he gave a little like, semen <laughs> and fecal matter. And I was just yeah. like, Nope, I'm gone. That is just no. Well, but but it's also if you it, can ha- that's if how you, gross life is. If you can handle that then yes, I would recommend this movie. I, I love that you completely dismiss a movie as being enjoyable to you based on one line of dialogue. Because it was gross. And then later he like... That's so had... crazy. Oh. Yeah, I... it does have a great callback though where he's like, hey, do you want me to give you the names of the like 130 people that pooped here? Yeah. <laughs> I he's mean, like, it... so... Yeah. <sighs> So yes, Kevin. Obviously, you would recommend this movie. Oh hell yeah! It's funny. It's just for how they were able to do it. It reminded me very much of some of the other movies I really enjoyed, like The Nines, which are oh. these bigger, like cosmic level plots, but mm-hmm. are grounded very humanly and with a small cast. Because I mean, The Nines is just 
Ryan Reynolds and Melissa McCarthy. Sorry for you folks that are what our neighbor got a motorcycle and he's just got to let everyone know that his <laughs> dick is the tiniest thing in existence. Um, he's, he's driving up and down the block being like, hey, in case you guys are curious, this thing is really small. Like it just <laughs> if you wondered what my dick was like, it would be it would be a villain in an Ant-Man movie. Um, <laughs> So anyways, if if he listens to buy its cover, just know, neighbor, you have a microcock. <laughs> Kevin. Okay, so yes to Glorious uh with the caveat from Bree. And next, this is our second to last film we're going to talk about. Yeah, somehow we were like, hey, let's do a mini episode. It'll only last about 30 minutes. And I'm like, no, full. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Okay, so this one, I don't know. Uh, we this actually, is yours to describe, but you know what? We talked about it. We both loved it. <laughs> well, I loved it for the art of it. I feel like love is a very strong word. And also saying art of it is very <laughs> Kevin. Double entendre. Uh, entendre. Oh, it's not really, but it's more of a pun. Yeah. Uh, so this uh, this movie that we're talking about is Terrifier 2. Uh, we watched Terrifier a uh, year before last for By Its Cover. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was probably one of the most disturbing, like nauseating movies I'd ever watched. Uh, this definitely. OK, let me describe the cover first. So we've got Art the Clown, who is black and white uh, colored, and he is holding up a bedpost. that has got a bunch of nails in it. He's got red demon eyes. His face is very scary. Uh, behind him is the moon or sun uh it's pure white but then it has red flame shooting out of it uh below him is like a motif of you know the gates to heaven it's got the lead actress in her halloween costume it's got a fun house a circus uh down below is um fire and there's a bunch of skulls and pumpkins and faces and everything's burning um and it says terrifier 2 and uh the tagline is who's laughing now yeah uh so if you're not familiar with terrifier the like the franchise uh this is the third movie that's featured the, the character art the clown he or the movie itself is damien leones who is a he's a special effects VFX guy that does specifically horror movie stuff. Mm-hmm. This movie, like this franchise now is a franchise, is kind of the way that John Wick was a love letter done by a stunt double mm-hmm. that finally, or a stunt coordinator that finally is directing. Mm-hmm. This is what this is. Is It's a guy that you're seeing basically a horror movie lover, fan, expert uh aficionado. that i mean it just it, it's the person that his job was to scare the shit out of you for years with blood guts and gore on the big screen getting basically free reign to push it as far as he can mm-hmm. which to me is always fascinating i'm like uh, you know uh, narratively sometimes they're not great like mad god i loved just because it's this is a guy that is the best or one of the best or been doing this for so long and you're like, cool, he's getting free reign. John Wick's the same way. 
what happens mm-hmm. when you basically have somebody that's like, this is what I love to do and I'm going to make it the sole focus. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrifier 2 is that. Terrifier, the first one, has one of the scenes that upset me visually the most, but I'm still like, God, that's impressive that they pulled it off and it looked as good as it did, which is uh, they saw, or the character Art the Clown saws a woman in half starting at the vagina with a yeah. hacksaw. Now, granted, don't watch these movies uh, if you have any sort of... Actually, this what's weird to me. They're kind of chased in a way. There's no sexual assault. There's no... Uh, it's not a Freddy movie where Freddy has is kind of a pervert. Mm-hmm. None of that. The art is purely a sadist. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about the murder, the death, that. And the the only times this movie actually gets into like titillating you or trying to titillate you, almost ch- like m- chastises you for finding yeah. it sexual. Um, which I'm like, cool. It's very fascinating because he's like, he's like, yeah, that's not horror. This is horror. Um, mm-hmm. So the character, though, uh, so Art the Clown is just a pure sadist, uh, maybe supernatural. This one is very much supernatural. Yeah. And the plot of this doesn't matter. It really no. does. In fact, Terrifier 2, if you ask me for my one complaint about it, is it tries to have a plot to connect to Terrifier 1 and clearly Terrifier 3, and as a result suffers from the being the middle child in a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had the scene of a woman from the first one getting sawed in half at the vagina while she's naked. Again, not done. It none of the thing about it feels sexual. Nope. Uh, at least it, it shouldn't. It should. <laughs> well, I would say if if it is, it's not the director trying to make you feel that way. Yes. You know yes. how some movies have like those scenes where you're like you're supposed to feel some way about it. Yeah. Um, in some way, uh, it, I almost feel like this movie punishes you because horror movies. Um, not only do they exploit social fears, but they also kind of like you're a voyeur to them. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm watching this thing I shouldn't be watching. I almost feel like the Terrifier movies punish you for having that impulse as a voyeur. Yeah. <laughs> that is accurate. Cutting the woman in half, there hits a point where like her guts just spill out. And you're like, oh, this is so. I mean, it just feels real in a way, visceral, even though it's amplified. Mm-hmm. This one also has one of those scenes where there's an extended torture scene of a, of a, basically, for lack of a better word, a co-ed. Yeah. And it just keeps going. Because, again, this is a, a, a art director or a VFX makeup guy. Yeah. Getting, not getting told no. Nobody is like, yeah, it's what happens when somebody does not have an editor. And there's a moment in it. And this was the one that uh, this actually made me uh, the most nauseous. That's made me because when I watch these, I can be like my brain's just like, well, this is a fake B. This is somebody that's just right. trying to do push, push his technology or push what he he's seeing. You can disconnect. Yeah, I can disconnect way better than you can. Um, right. <laughs> but there's a moment where the character of Art the Clown comes back and he pours. He's basically skinned this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, scalped her. Just brutalized her and he comes back and he pours salt and bleach on her yeah in her and almost this manic glee uh where he's just like this is funny um so it was interesting to me the 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 cruelty of the character in that moment i'm like that's that feels so real in a way that i was like this is oof, that's really doesn't feel good 
Um, again, I think this movie at times is like, if you want to watch this, we're going to make you feel bad for wanting to watch this. Yeah. Um, Which we watched this in the theater uh, the yeah. day it came out and we walked out of the theater and I was nauseous for several hours after seeing it. Yeah, it's it's. It, it, there's other movies that are uh, it, that do this makes you uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. This is the f- one that I would say I'm most okay with. You know, there's some movies where like they, they have these really disturbing, haunting scenes that you're like, I don't like this. Um, mm-hmm. But this is just, yeah, this is you're watching again, just glee, gleeful, gleeful mayhem for the sake of gleeful mayhem. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as horror movie slashers, art is kind of an interesting one to me. Because one, we don't know a motive at all. And then nope. two, the character, it's not revenge. It's not f- power accumulation. It's not because you set on a twisted path. It's just there's a cruelty to it. It almost reminded me of uh, one of my favorite horror franchises is Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a cruelty in those characters where they almost to the point of they want to in- inflict this like childlike amount of cruelty like making fun of you um as they are doing these terrible things where they that's what art's doing it's not just about pain it's also about like you don't understand why it's happening and i'm doing this with glee yeah that's scary and he actually has a little accomplice in this movie he has a small girl that emulates him uh and she's creepy as shit yeah in the movie for the longest time plays it as if she's not real or like but then you start to realize that like she must be it's just she's at first it's just you think it's supposed to be like a, a, a consequence of the head wound he suffered yeah and then you realize like no this is actually a character well but is it I mean, there's some... They've seen her. Like, characters have seen her and interacted with her. Right. But what I'm saying is, was she a figment of his mind and his supernatural powers or whatever it may be brought her to fruition? Yeah. Um, Kevin, would you recommend Terrifier 2? I I would recommend it to a special... You have to be a horror fan. Absolutely. It's not a a movie you watch. I, I mean, I would... I would... I would see myself picking this up at a slumber party at like age 13 or 14 and regretting. Like, it's one of those movies that you tell your, you get yourself in trouble on. Like you were like, mom, dad, I know you said not to watch this movie. (laughs) And you said it was, I wasn't ready for it. And I watched it and it scared me and I was not ready for it. It I'm sorry. Anyways, I'm going to sleep here forever. (laughs) <laughs> and they're like you're in college and you're like no, i don't care it scared me i'm sorry i shouldn't have done it <laughs> it's exactly it's like when i watched tremors way too young and i was like i am not gonna walk on the solid ground ever again <laughs> or the the um dirt yeah i know uh, the floor is not lava it is made of sand crawler monsters <laughs> and now i watch tremors and i'm like oh shit this was a comedy this was a comedy this whole time <laughs> the- so when was this a comedy uh so i am going to agree with your uh yes watch terrifier 2 if if you can handle it yeah. if you have a weak stomach do not do it because like I said, I came out of there and I was, I did not feel good. 
<laughs> yeah, you're also a person that's way more affected by that stuff than me, um, yeah. which is funny because I'm also like see it in real life. If I see any sort of like blood in real life, I'm like, oh, no, I don't like this. <laughs> but if you put it on a TV screen where I know it's fake, I'm like more. <laughs> more. Yeah, you can disassociate way better than I can. Um, OK, so our final uh, movie, which is very apropos uh, or is accurate, I guess, for the way we're going to end this podcast is Halloween ends. <laughs> I wish it would have ended sooner. So the cover is Jamie Lee Curtis uh, facing away from you, but doing the over the shoulder look back. Uh, Action heroine pose number two. uh, She is she has a clenched fist Uh, directly behind her is standing Michael Myers. He's got his butcher knife. He's got his mask on. He's all grimy. Uh, There's not flames at the bottom, but you could tell that there's fire somewhere and that it's, it's lighting from the bottom up and you see, f- uh, uh, ash, um, and, uh, smoke. And then it says ends this Halloween. Yeah. All right. Halloween ends. Um, <laughs> it doesn't feature Michael Myers for most of it. Mm hmm. And the Michael Meyer almost is neutered in this. Uh huh. Which it's so weird that that's the way they decided to go after Halloween kills, where he is almost ascendant, is very much a, they have built him up as this, this incarnation of evil that is somehow beyond human understanding. And then this movie mostly him hiding in a sewer mm-hmm. and kind of i don't know being emasculated i don't want to say emasculated but like he gives his power impotent uh, he's impotent yes and, yeah and would be an interesting commentary on horror like a meta commentary of the changes if they would have moved to this new character which what was his name Corey. oh god of all the name michael i can okay i can get stabbed by a michael if i got stabbed by a Corey, i would be so <laughs> angry all i could think of is Corey michaelis's joke when he's doing the voice of the little kid and he's like coey 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah a Corey. yeah not even haim or feldman no uh, no, I got stabbed by a Corey. Corey stabbed me. Yeah. Why would you do that, Corey? <laughs> Anyways, if they would have been like him going evil and in the movie starts that way, like because he, he's mm-hmm. clearly it's he's involved in a tragedy. Mm-hmm. He's babysitting a kid. The kid locks him in a closet after being mean to him. And he to get out of the closet, the he kicks the door. Turns out the little kid was behind the door and gets basically knocked over the staircase and gets killed. Yeah. And it's kind of how the town reacts to him. Yeah. But this is where it really bugs me because he gets kind of pseudo adopted by Laurie Strode. Mm-hmm. Who's like, hey, you had this horrible thing happen to you. And I know what it's like to be branded as a freak because of this terrible thing. Yeah. But... 
then he becomes evil. Yes. <laughs> and not only does he become evil, everyone's like, he was always evil. Yeah. And I'm we- like, and I'm like, if this would have been uh this character is evil and we made him, we make mm-hmm. our own monsters. Mm-hmm. That would be something. At least that would be like that would be thematically consistent with the other two in this this trilogy. Right. This character he he has become this because we've made him this. Michael has become this embodiment of evil because we have empowered him to be the embodiment of evil. And instead, this movie's like, nope. Sometimes you're just born fucked up. Which is interesting because at the beginning, uh, well, even the the dad of the kid that he killed says Corey's always been really nice really kind hardworking, and so there was a flip and it's when he gets when Corey gets pushed off a bridge by the bullies high schoolers (laughs) that are bullying him really this movie is a case of like oh traumatic brain injuries might have consequences to the person he got Phineas gauged into becoming a a serial killer really Okay, I got to go back to Psych 101 with you. Phineas Gage got a railroad spike jammed through his head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it changed his personality. He went from being a, like a fun-loving guy to being kind of an asshole uh-huh. and uh, was kind of always a, a sought safety, and now he took risks. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, he, but he survives this getting shoved off a bridge and somehow manages to find the entombed body of Michael Myers and gets possessed by the evil that possesses Michael, but also it's still possessing Michael, but now it's possessing Corey. They're fighting over the Halloween mask as if it mattered. Yeah. And the, you know, they get Laurie Strode's granddaughter involved and it, who is supposed to be like 18 in the first Halloween uh, uh-huh. Halloween. I can't remember what the first one was called. I don't know. It was because we have Halloween. I can't remember Halloween kills and Halloween ends. Yeah. But she's supposed to be older and she acts like a fucking 13 year old. Yeah. There's a, there's a weird Romeo and Juliet angle that this story tries to take where, but it's just, it involves her being a nurse with the worst decision-making skills I've ever seen. (laughs) It was just called Halloween. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She just like, she, she, this movie starts with her being loving towards Lori Stroud uh-huh. Stroud. And then she's like, Nope, you don't understand. And I was like, you're in your, you went to college. <laughs> you, you, you give people medicine that determines life or death. And you're like, you don't know him. Like I do. I can change him. Um, like seriously. Get, well, and just, she get, goes just get a, a little- lower back tattoo. Just get a lower back tattoo and work that way is your bad decisions. Well, tramp stamps aren't lower back tattoos anymore. They're the sternum pieces. Okay. They've moved. Um, But the other thing is she kind of goes evil too a little bit. Like she's okay with some torture and and bad decisions. Oh, and she blames... It's weird because they it's weird commentary. And I almost wonder if uh, I think this is written by Danny McBride. I wonder if Danny McBride read on an Internet forum somewhere. Somebody like, well, Michael is clearly um, like a mentally handicapped person or a mentally disabled person or a case of mental illness that gets pushed too far by Laurie. And then he kind of like tries to integrate that into the plot. 
because Lori gets victim blamed by a lot of people where they're like, mm-hmm. you taunted him. I'm like, how did that angle on the story get out? Yeah. How also that's such a weird element of bl- victim blaming, which I'm like, I don't think it doesn't happen, but also that's weird. Yeah. That, 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 and again, the movie does not resolve that. This is again, this movie. Uh, so my biggest issue with Halloween ends is it sets up this, this, this idea that Jason is, or not Jason, I'm sorry. Michael, Michael. is this embodiment of evil and Lori is, is even writing a book about how you have to confront it and you have to, you have to combat it. And it's this external thing. And then the movie's like, nope, it's internal and it's been in you all along. And it's, it's human is the, uh, is the primary thing, which I'm like, all the other movies have set up. This is a supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. And then the movie even starts with this is supernatural. And then it goes, nope, this is human. This has always been inside you. And even though I'm like, well, but your character that became evil has had external trauma thrust on him multiple times. Maybe it's the cycle of abuse creates abusers, but the movie doesn't want to address that. But uh, and then it's like, nope, actually, uh, man is the real monster. Lori was wrong. And then like, but then the town joins in and is like, we're killing the evil symbolically. As if that the movie does not have its own understanding. It doesn't. It doesn't follow its own logic. It's almost like they built to that scene to bookend between Halloween ends, where he gets rises up against the mob and wipes out the mob, mm-hmm. and then Danny McBride's like, and at the end, we're gonna have basically the town come together and decide to heal by symbolically destroying him as evil, and then how they connect it doesn't match but he just forces them to connect (laughs) yeah it's it's like uh you're going to europe and you're trying to plug your stuff in and you don't have your adapter (laughs) yeah and and your solution is like well i'm gonna make it fit yeah and those prongs are going in you son (laughs) of a bitch (laughs) it almost reminds me like uh when you have legos and then like your friend has duplos and you're Uh, like well hey we got fucking super glue we'll make this work (laughs) Um, and then you just get this weird mash of you're like this the movie is the movie is in conflict with itself yeah so i think one of the other than yes i agree with everything you said i i also was really disappointed that there wasn't um ass kicking i mean really laurie strode in halloween and halloween kills there was a lot of ass kicking she had planned for this like yeah. she had, had booby trapped her house she'd taken herself to the gun range Which I mean was one of the points of this movie like she's moved on and she's trying to have a normal life for her and her granddaughter but at the same time there was not it it didn't feel i I don't know. Would you recommend this movie, Kevin? No, no. It, it, so this movie is it, it's, it's like four different movies. One, it's yeah. trying to do the Halloween three, where it's not quite a Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. It's trying to do this like um, former badass getting called back into action one last time trope. It's also trying to. It, I think where it goes wrong is it tries to go into this overlong art house direction. Mm-hmm. Um, it stretches twenty minutes of plot into two and a half hours i don't even know how long it is but it, it just stretches out way too much of a plot um also you cannot try to ground this in the reality of like there's no supernatural and then expect me to believe that this fucking 60 some year old woman 
is throwing around at the end of the day then that makes this movie basically two retirees fighting <laughs> it out uh, it was an hour and 51 minutes <laughs> oh my god it felt so long is how many shots did I need of Corey driving the least impressive motorcycle? <laughs> so while his uh, hair blows and Lori's granddaughter's like, oh my god, he's so. Uh, we're gonna make sure this feels like it's Allison. Uh, Allison, yeah, it feels like a I don't know, infinite playlist or whatever some fucking nineties, yeah. early two thousands art movie was. So I would also not recommend this movie. But what it does make me nostalgic for and a little bit sad is the Halloweens that Rob Zombie did and the fact that we never got a third one. We really should apologize to him a little bit. Just be like, hey, yeah. hey, Rob, we gave you a lot of shit for like kind of over explaining stuff. Uh, but I we actually really enjoyed those. I thought yeah. he did an excellent job with them. Uh, so... That so this uh, one more comparison. This okay. is the rise of Skywalker of horror movies. Okay. okay, because it feels like to me Halloween was a nice homage to or like nice. It was the Force Awakens. It's just like it's not groundbreaking, but it's a nice love letter to the Halloween franchise that came before. Yeah, Halloween Kills kind of reinvent or tries to introduce at least some interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. And then this one, Rise of Skywalkers, where they're like, hey, those interesting ideas, we're going to actively go and undo them. <laughs> we're going to make sure, you know, we don't count that shit. And then we're going to go off in this other direction that just feels unexplained and lazy. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big no from both Kevin and I on Halloween ends, unless you're a completionist um, and... The last thing we're going to talk about... I would rather have a cliffhanger. Uh, the uh, last thing we're going to talk about is Guillermo del Toro's The Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's um, a mini series. It, it, I mean, it's it's a it's a season. It's Election. an anthology. It's not because it's not a miniseries. It's not like it's all one story. Yeah. It's just an anth- anthol- anthologic collection of... Uh, horrors. So the the premise behind it is Guillermo del Toro is the producer of this sh- of the show. He even direct, I think directs one of them. But I'm not yeah. sure, but one of them is based at least even on a short story he's written. It's mm-hmm. to take horror stories written by uh, horror authors, past and present. Yes. Um, so there's like Lovecraft, uh, contemporaries of his time, and then some more modern ones. Mm-hmm. Pair them up with kind of some hip hot directors of the time, and see what happens mm-hmm. you get a lot of stories uh lot 36 was guillermo del toro's by the way the one he wrote oh really yeah um they usually have pretty solid actors um you know you'll you'll recognize a lot of the actors their character actors or they've been in other things um i've been liking it not all of them i think are must watches agreed but you know he they do a good job of mixing up genres blending things changing things up it's a worthwhile watch to me yeah there's been some good actors in it uh, i've definitely had some jump scares um and they're varying quality 
Honestly, I would just recommend watching the first few minutes regardless because they have a really cool cabinet that he interacts with at the start of each episode. Yeah, and the, the uh, intros are different for each one. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite one was the alien autopsy one. So there's one where... Yeah. And it's very much a cosmic horror done in a way that I think uh, is not a Lovecraftian where just it's unknowable horrors that this one shows you, but it's also like, like a little bit of like what makes humanity special or what makes mm-hmm. a person that approaches something with this like grim logic. Interesting. Yes. I, I actually really enjoyed that episode as well. It yeah. had excellent acting in it. I, I enjoyed the one that followed it, which was the one with the beauty creams. Oh, yeah, that caused me uh, that was very uncomfortable for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's also one of the things with these like any anthology film, you're going to have some tonal shifts this more so because you're changing both directors and authors. Yeah. Um, So it's not just one person's story or one director that's breaking it up. So you're getting multiple stories. So there's going to be like you're like, oh, this was actually kind of funny or quirky. Mm -hmm. And then like you're like, nope, this one's going to be gross out or this one's going to have. I think the hardest one for me was the the one with rats. Yeah. Because the dialogue is very stilted in a way. Mm -hmm. And that's the character. I mean, like, granted, that's supposed to be the character. But that character is talking in such a way that I'm like, oh, my God. I no person in this situation would talk this much like why are you monologuing while these like rats are chasing you (laughs) uh so yeah go check out cabinet of curiosities on netflix uh we hope you enjoyed our little well not i mean it's almost an hour and a half now (laughs) longest episode we've done all right (laughs) but to be fair we covered like seven movies and a series so uh we hope you enjoyed this wrap up for the things we watched in october uh cabin where can we find you on social media you can find me at cabin underscore egg on twitter instagram and tiktok tiktok of course (laughs) not tiktok (laughs) tiktok that's my other podcast where we just talk about boobies um (laughs) and then you can find me at cabinagleston.com free where can they find us and see us You can also find Kevin on Patreon.com. Go ahead and subscribe to him because that helps us out. Uh, You can find us by its cover pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Tumblr at by its cover pod. Uh, You can find us on Facebook by its cover podcast. And uh, you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash at by its cover pod pretty still excited about having to handle (laughs) hell yeah and on that note we are going to leave you with comedy is the new sex comedy sex it's new (laughs) sure (laughs) 